Our first uh, scripture reading is from the book of Genesis. In fact, both will be from uh, Genesis today as I continue my uh, sermon series. Looking at Genesis chapter 29, and our first is uh, verses 16 through 20. It says, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading, as I said earlier, is also from the book of Genesis. It's the same chapter, uh, Genesis 29, and we'll pick up the story in verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her. My time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her maid. When morning came, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, this is not done, this is not done in our country, giving the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other, also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife. Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her maid. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. He served Laban for another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah conceived and bore a son, and she named him Reuben. For she said, because the Lord has looked on my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be joined to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, he was named Levi. She conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she named him Judah. Then she ceased bearing, wouldn't you? (laughs) Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I got a haircut recently, and some of you pointed out, and let me just say so nicely so, (laughs) that I have these increasing number of gray hairs on my head. And so I believe it's time for us to come to grips with how we feel about how we look. So here goes. Bible, Bible, tell us all. Does God call us ugly, old? or small? Let's find out. 
Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. It's interesting that in different cultures, certain portions of the human anatomy will become the focal point of physical beauty. And in ancient times, when women went about veiled, the emphasis was on the eyes. Did they glow? Did they sparkle? Did they dance? Even back in the time of Jacob, women would use cosmetics as a way of making their eyes look more glamorous and attractive. Just like today, women will often use cosmetics as a way of giving Mother Nature a helping hand. This so intrigued me that I went back to try and find out the original derivation of the word cosmetics. Appropriately, it comes from the Greek word cosmos, which means to bring order out of chaos. <laughs> For Leah, it was a case of jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? Her eyes were lackluster and they did not pass muster. And even though Leah was the oldest and the most logical to be married first, Jacob spent those lazy summer nights gazing into the eyes of her younger sister, Rachel. And Leah was not only bitter for being passed over, but she was humiliated because her younger sister was being pursued in marriage before she was. Now, Leah's name in Hebrew means wild cow. <laughs> Men, let's be honest. When's the last time you got so starry-eyed that you wanted to pursue a wild cow? <laughs> and so as you might imagine, Leah's self-esteem plunges to zero. Well, desperate times call for desperate measures, and Leah ended up doing something that she would regret for a very long time. She engages in this sinister conspiracy plot with her father Laban that is just this shameless uh, treachery, and it's a work of masterpiece. It turns out that Laban had been wondering for a long time, how am I going to marry off Leah, what with the weak eyes and all? And when he saw that Jacob was head over heels in love with Rachel, he saw that as his big chance. And so Laban finagles an agreement with Jacob that he would work for him for seven years, and at the end of those seven years, his daughter Rachel's hand would be given to him in marriage. And so Jacob worked, and he worked, and he worked, and he worked. Imagine for seven years he worked. And when his wedding night with Rachel happened, turns out that Laban escorts a heavily veiled bride into the apartment of the groom. And under the veil was not Rachel, but Leah. And the next morning, this is really in the Bible, you know, <laughs> Jacob woke up and there was Leah. He got the shock of his life. And because he had spent the night with Leah, he was now legally bound to her for life. And I just love Laban's comment. He says, well, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. And Jacob says, thanks a lot. Now you tell me. <laughs> and then Laban says, well, I'll tell you what. Jacob, just play along. Carry out this whole week 
of the charade of the bridal ceremonies, cut the cake, smile pretty for the cameras, meet the relatives, and after it's over, I'll give you my daughter Rachel's hand in marriage too. Oh, but by the way, you're going to have to work for me for another seven years. Now, upon whom do you think Jacob vented his anger? You guessed it, Leah. So Leah pays the price for her father's dirty dealings. She was married to a man that did not love her before, and now that she was married to him, he loved her even less. Jacob and Leah were a gruesome twosome. But before we blame Leah, and before we blame Laban, we might say that Leah was victimized by a culture that placed a high premium on physical appearance. For Leah, as my sermon title suggests today, anatomy was destiny. And sadly, not much has changed since then. A while back in the South, they had these elegant mansions, and in some of the rooms, they had something called a fainting couch. Why is it called a fainting couch? Well, in an attempt to have a stylish 17-inch waist, fashionable ladies would corset themselves so tightly that they couldn't breathe, and they would just pass out on the fainting couch. In fact, it is said that some women even had two of their ribs removed. Today, it is commonly agreed that physical attractiveness has an even higher premium and priority. It's, it's the gold coin of human worth. Go to an exercise gym and you will find people thinking that they can run to the West Coast and back again on a treadmill, or that they can climb that stair stepper to a kind of heaven on earth. Watch all the television commercials that advertise perfume. Check out the magazines. People Magazine one time had its annual 50 Most Beautiful People in the World issue that included an article that paid tribute to the classics of the past, those beauties that came a long time ago. So listen to how one Hollywood designer described Elizabeth Taylor. You'll see her picture on the screen. This is what it was said. Elizabeth Taylor's face is as close to perfection as any human beings could possibly be. It's those deep violet eyes with their heavy black lashes and that little girl's smile. She takes your breath away. If Helen of Troy's face launched a thousand ships, Elizabeth could launch 10,000. The feeling today is that our bodies, our faces, are our flesh and blood tickets to success and love. We're measured by how many ships we can launch or heads we can turn. And that's why, unfortunately, you have a lot of people walking around like Leah. We don't have that perfect body. We don't have that perfect face. We don't measure up. One study showed that over half of a sampling of 10-year-old girls considered themselves the ugliest child in the class. 10-year-old girls. 
We live in a looks loony culture. And that's sad because we all tend to question our own self-worth anyway. At best, our self-esteem hangs by a thread. And then when you add the burden of physical attractiveness, it just snaps. Contestants like the Miss America pageant, stories like the Ugly Duckling, Dumbo the Elephant, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, People Magazine, the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue, and, and Barbie dolls. I was in a toy store not too long ago, and they had one whole section dedicated to Barbie and all of the Barbie accessories. Have you seen Barbie lately? Barbie looks better than ever, frozen in time at 19 years old, even though she's now 64 years old. <laughs> it seems she's gotten better with age. And you know, you can do all kinds of things with Barbie. You can dress Barbie up in her evening gown. You can put her in a little tennis outfit, or you can have her go swimming and put Barbie in that little bikini. And then I saw something that was really discouraging, the Ken doll. Which is the male counterpart to Barbie. <laughs> Look at that guy. Ripped abdominal muscles, tapered torso, flashing white teeth, gorgeous hair. And there I stood in the aisle of that store looking less and less like Sylvester Stallone <laughs> and more and more like Sylvester the cat. Rachel is the exception. Elizabeth Taylor is the exception. Barbie is the exception. Ken is the exception. And let's face it, most of us are not exceptional. We're just plain, ordinary folks with an overwhelming need to be loved and accepted for who we are. And we are doomed to despair if we try to live up to some impossible external standard of physical beauty. It's truly sad what can happen to a person when they feel like they fall short and don't measure up. Listen to this letter that was written by a seven-year-old boy which was sent to a psychotherapist who works with children. Dear Dr. Gardner, what is bothering me is that long ago, some big person, it is a boy 13 years old, he called me turtle. And I know he said that because of my plastic surgery. And I think God hates me because of my lip. And when I die, he will probably send me to hell. Love, Chris. Did you know that you're three times more likely to kill yourself than to have someone else kill you? As I said, our self-esteem is so fragile. We're, we're haunted by feelings of unworthiness, by an inability to accept ourselves for who we are. We live in this brutal culture in which the ticket to self-esteem are looks, intelligence, and wealth. And if any of you fall short in any one of those categories, you'll be told in a million different ways, you do not matter. You know, Jesus Christ was nothing special to look at. Nobody went around mistaking Jesus for a Ken doll. 
That, at least according to the prophet Isaiah, who prophesied to what the Messiah would look like. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 53. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. A man of sorrows, and we esteemed him not. No beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Too many people today try to answer the question, who am I, by saying, well, look at my genes, or look at my hair, or look at my eyes, or look at my friends. And friends, we need to discover who we are in Jesus Christ, because we are the temple of his spirit. We are the temple of the living God. And when God created you, God did not say, oops. Instead, God stepped back and said, oh, it is very good. Psalm 139 says, he knit you together while you were in your mother's womb. We have our own designer label. It says, get this Mark Stoffer. You, I promise I would share this in a sermon. Handcrafted by Yahweh. It was God who made this bod, and God made all of us with a unique blend of strengths and weaknesses. So here I am standing before you, and I can pretty much talk decently in front of a group of people on most Sundays, but you probably know me well enough by now to know that I'm a total bust when it comes to home repairs. Hanging a picture on the wall runs the risk of that wall becoming a piece of Swiss cheese. <laughs> as I make all these holes in the wall trying to get it right. The point is, we all have our own unique gifts. Leah's problem went beyond the fact that she was not attractive physically. Her deepest problem was that she felt unloved. So desperate for Jacob's love, she tried for years to earn something that really can only be given as a gift. And then she discovers that her sister Rachel is unable to have children and that she is barren. And Leah thinks, this is my big chance. This is my inroad into the heart of Jacob. I will be his baby factory. And so the wheels spin inside of Leah's head. And I imagine her thinking, you know, I'm no prize to look at. And I know I made a huge mistake back there for which I regret and for which my husband has not forgiven me for. But I can have sons for Jacob. At that time, for a woman to have a son was the highest pinnacle of human achievement. And so she had that son. She thinks, Jacob will care about me now. The very name Reuben, the first son, means, look, a son. Hey, Jacob, it's a boy. And then Leah comments in verse 32, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Sorry, Leah, but your husband does not love you now. Well, hope springs eternal. Leah has another child. It's a son. They name him Simeon. And she calls him Simeon, which in Hebrew means here. And she says, because the Lord has heard that I am not loved, he has given me this one too. But there's still no thawing 
in that relationship with Jacob, her husband. And so there's another night of joyless embrace. And they have a third son named Levi, meaning attached. And Leah says, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. That is not the case. There's still no tenderness, no warmth, no love from Jacob. And I think I know the reason. Jacob's love was a human love, which means that it was a conditional love. It was based solely on physical attraction. It was unable to forgive the hurts of the past. It was unable to let bygones be bygones. I'm willing to bet that there's some people here in this room, some watching wherever they may be, who even at this very moment have deep wounds inside of us because we live or lived with people who put conditions on that love. And I don't know, maybe you had a parent who said, I love you, and they only said that verbally. But what you discovered was that it meant, I love you only if you measure up. Some of us are perfectionists who love ourselves conditionally. And we have set standards for ourselves well beyond the standards that God has set for us. And the problem with conditional love is that it's so wobbly. You never know where you stand because how I feel today may be different with how I feel tomorrow. Let me give you some good news. God's love, God's love is totally unconditional. God does not just love that 95% of you that is easy to love, but God loves all of you, even the 5% that is really, really, really hard to love and that nobody else loves. God's love will love all of you, the 95% and the flawed, fallible 5%. Well, Leah finally casts herself on the total unconditional love of God. She bears a fourth son. Now, up to now, every one of the names of the children has been sort of this desperate plea to get Jacob to love her. But this child, she names Judah. And Judah means, this time, I will praise the Lord. Way to go, Leah. Way to go. Because what you need is not a facelift. What you need is a faith lift. To lift that tear-streaked face up and towards heaven to the God who will reach down and embrace you with that unconditional love. And what Leah gets from God is something that you and I can get starting today. If you go home after the service and you look in the mirror and what you see does not remind you of either Barbie or Ken, (laughs) then I invite you to look up See that the same God who created the heavens and the earth sees you as the greatest wonder of all. There was this stunningly beautiful young woman who suffered from anorexia. She was literally starving herself to death. The world told her she was beautiful, but whenever she looked in the mirror, all she saw was ugliness. 
And she finally went and got some professional help. And one day they were having a therapy session and the other people in the group kept trying to tell her that this young woman was beautiful inside and out. Well, they might as well have been talking to a wall. She just had her head down and stared at the floor. And suddenly, an elderly African-American woman in that group got up and walked over to where the young woman was. She got down on her hands and knees and she put this young woman's face between her hands. And she said, young lady, Jesus loves you. You are his precious child. And for the first time, a smile came across that young woman's face. And that afternoon she ate and she started getting better. This isn't to say that psychology or psychotherapy isn't worthwhile. But friends, it is the gospel that truly changes people. It's the gospel that tells people who we really are. Well, Jacob never did get down on his hands and knees before Leah. His first love was always Rachel. Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. But he did honor Leah in a way that you may not be aware of. At the end of Jacob's life, he's giving some final funeral instructions to his sons. And he announces that he wishes to be buried in the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in Canaan. Now, why is that significant? Jacob says, there Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And there I buried Leah. And so he wants to be buried with Leah. Even better than that, God gave Leah the greatest honor of all. Without Leah, we never would have had those great tribes of Israel, Reuben, Levi, Judah. If it weren't for Leah, we wouldn't have Moses, and we wouldn't have David. We would not have Jesus Christ if it were not for Leah, because we know that Jesus was born in the house and lineage of Judah. So imagine that. Leah's praise child was the forerunner of our Messiah. Leah is the mother of our salvation. And that is the kind of God who loves you and me unconditionally today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we thank you for this story that comes out of your holy word and that teaches us how much you love us and how while the world may put a high premium and priority in how we look or our bodies, uh, thankfully, God, that you don't measure us by that. You measure us by what is on the inside, to have a heart for you, to be generous, to be giving. Give us your grace especially on those times when our self-worth is undergone or our, our self-esteem hangs by a thread. Give us, O oh God, that unconditional love that we find in Christ Jesus. For indeed, it is a selfless, sacrificial love that teaches us how then we ought to love one another. And we give you thanks 
and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.